You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we are going to study the Word of God. Last Sunday was so good. Uh, the Spirit of God was here. The Word of God was rich in our hearts. And I pray and I ask God that He'd do that again for us. But if you would, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. And we're going to begin reading uh, in verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I'm going to stop there. This is one message, but it's taken us several a couple of weeks to get to where we are. It'll take us at least another week to finish finish it. So it's really a series, but I have it just as one message. Our first point was family favor. And we talked about true love. We talked about tough love. We talked about tender love. We talked about tending love. We talked about timely love. And uh, we talked about uh, that's it. That's as far as we got. And that was last week. And then today, we're going to be looking at to-do love. Go ahead and put that up there. Is that, do I have that one? Uh-oh. Y'all will have no other help today. I forgot to add it to my... I apologize. But the next one in your outline, it's F, if you're wondering, is to-do, quote, to-do love. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. We know you will. Help me not to uh, mess anything up. Forgive me my sin, my fleshliness, and help me to be a fit vessel to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look down at verse 12, and the very first part of verse 12 says, this is the next thing, he's given a bunch, of almost like a shotgun. He's given these little commands very practical. We've studied the theological aspect, the kind of the uh, how it changes our lives, how it affects our lives. And now here's what you do with it. You're saved. So what? And here's the so what. This is how we should act as Christians in the church. And that's why I'm calling this church family function. This is how we should function towards others. And we, we looked at that. Number one, we're talking about family favor, family favor. And we've looked at the things I mentioned, and we're to verse 12. It says, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Does anybody in this church ever get down spiritually? Anybody? Anybody in here, you never get down spiritually. Okay, well, I was hoping for somebody to tell us how to do it. 
because I don't know how to do it. I can get down. Life gets hard. Our flesh works on us. The devil works on us. Time works on us. Uh, uh, situations work on us. People work on us. And sometimes you just get tired. You get tired and weary. And uh, what do you do? Well, I tell you what, you get your eyes off of present circumstances and you think about the hope and the promise of God. That the reason you're in, the situation you're in, be whatever it is, your physical ailments, your, your uh, family arguments, your, your workplace uh, agitations, uh, your own dealing with your own fallenness, whatever it is, know this, that God has caused it, <coughs> excuse me, or allowed it to come into your life. You say, Brother Ron, I just don't know if that's right. Some things just happen by chance. No, or God couldn't have said, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How can he say that if God is not in control of everything? Amen? And so we know that God is sovereign, he's in control, and he has a purpose for whatever situation you're in. Hey, how many of y'all are in Sunday school this morning? Just quick up and down then I can tell you this, ask Joseph. Ask Joseph. Ask Job. Ask Paul and Silas in the prison house. Ask the early Christians watching their brothers and sisters being slaughtered for the cause of Christ. Surely that can be of God. Well, I want to tell you, it's not what God would have someone to do, but he allowed it. He allowed it. And we know this, that it's appointed that a man wants to die after this judgment. So nobody took our life, can take our life before God intends for it. So, so when we're in every, any negative situation, it's hard to rejoice about the situation. That's not what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What, what's the object what is the object of that rejoicing? Somebody tell me. No, now listen to me. That was good. That's great. You're, you're in our scripture. I'm, I'm going to this scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What is the object of joy there? The Lord. Or, Brother Mickey, I think you're the one that said that. Hope. Because I want to tell you something. The only hope we have is Jesus. Amen. And so basically they're the same. So he was right. And, 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 and it is hope. Hope of what? Hope that your present circumstances are in God's will and we ought to quit fussing about it. Hard to do, I understand. Believe me. But we got to think. We got to stop. We got to rest. We got to think, hey, God has a purpose. If you really think about it, every, every day you have is an adventure in the kingdom of God. Right? And you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to You say, well, what if today's I die? Well, don't worry about it. I mean, you'll get to go to heaven. Whoa. You know? But, but you, you can know, hey, I'm in the middle of God's will. God's going to do I've got trouble. Whoo, God's fixing to do something with me. Now, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't say rejoice in the bad things. 
I Listen, if you break my leg, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm not going to be happy with you. I'm not going to be happy that my pain. I'm not going to be happy about having to put a cast. I'm not going to be happy about... I'm not going to be happy about the recovery, but I can say this. For some reason, God's got a purpose, and that's what I ought to look for and endure it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And also the hope that here's the hope. Jesus is coming again, and his reward is with him. Now, do you really believe that? Well, let that hope help you keep on going. Rejoice in hope. Hey, listen, I don't rejoice that our... Uh, that our uh, government leaders make decisions that are wicked and bad. and, and all, My brother right now is in Van Buren, Arkansas, and they are fighting the library there. When you first went in the library, uh, someone went in, and there is a homosexual and gay and transgender books for children displayed right in the entrance. And so people started fighting against it, and they have... Uh, the, the city's very conservative, and just some liberal, wicked people have gotten in there. Well, they've got it changed and everything, and the, and the, the Lord's helped them. But he said, he said, we went to these meetings, he said, and it is standing room only. He said, and you, he told me yesterday, you'd have to hear my brother talk. He said, the wickedness and the hatefulness and the vileness that were coming out of just the few folks that were on the side of wickedness. He said, but it was, they were militant. Militant. It's one thing to love wickedness. It's another thing to support it and to fight for it like you would fight for your country or fight for something else. Can you imagine that would happen in America? Well, now some of you young ones may not understand that. But 20, 30, 40 years ago, we would have never thought that would be something we'd have to fight. And I tell you what, I don't, I don't hardly watch news anymore. I just can't stand it. I used to be a news watcher all the time, wasn't I? I you know, hey, listen, I, I can't change it. All it does is upset me. And you don't need to be upset by the news because here's the thing. Even when it looks like the wicked are in charge and overcoming, God is at work. God is at work. And you don't have to worry and keep stirred up inside about all this stuff. Yes, do your part. Yes, make your stand. But then leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord. It's like, and I told the older class this today, but... About a woman said, I used. To, I looked over at my husband. He used to have sleep apnea, and he'd quit breathing, and he'd be snoring real loud, and I used to wake him up and, and kind of bump him so he'd breathe. He, she said, but he's been doing it so long now. I just looked at him and said, it's in the Lord's hands now. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the Lord's hands. When you've done what you're supposed to do, you know you can do, trust God and rejoice in hope. That God has us all going to a purpose. All right. I've, I've, uh, if you're weary and unappreciated service, set your mind on the promises of God. That's what I put down under. That's a pretty good statement. If you are weary in the unappreciated service, set your mind on the promises of God. He cares for you. He's committed to you. And he is coming for you. Woo! That's good stuff. That's good preaching. All right, let's go on to the next one. Rejoice in hope. And then it says patient in tribulation. 
basically the same thing. It's, it's, it's kind of, you got, what does it mean rejoice in hope? He's saying when there's not much hope around, rejoice in the hope that you know is sure. By the way, hope is not, oh, I hope so, like we say it. Hope is faith. I know Jesus is coming in. I know God's got this uh, uh, situation in my life. I know God is sovereign in my life and the things in my life. I can trust him with it. Hope means faith. It is sure. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I'm going to wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's hope. That's hope. Well, patient and tribulation also. That's the flip side. That's the other side of the coin. Look at chapter 12, verse, or chapter, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, that's A. B, patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Listen to what John 16, 33 says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible has been since I was a kid. I was a kid. You don't have trouble when you're a kid. You just think you've got troubles. Hey, kids, look at me. This is going to make you mad. Young people, listen to me. You don't got troubles. You don't got trouble. When was the last time you worried about having to have money to pay the bills so your children wouldn't go without heat? You ever had to worry about that? No. No, you, you're living good. And you ought to enjoy it, and you ought to be appreciative to your parents for it, by the way. Be thankful. You could be living on the streets, having to make your own decisions, trying to find a fire somewhere to be warm. Listen, how would you like to live outside at this time of the year? No, young people, I don't mean to make you mad, but you don't have troubles. You don't know troubles. If you think you got troubles, <laughs> what are you going to do? Enjoy life. Young people, you ought to enjoy it. I'm not saying adulthood isn't enjoyable, but it can be tough. There's pressures. I never knew what anxiety was until I started having children of my own. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I got to keep this thing alive. And then, and then, can I pay for this grocery bill? They're eating everything inside. I'd buy new furniture because they're gnawing on that too. <laughs> but I know you do have troubles. Friends mistreat you. There's bullies at school. You have a hard time with some teachers. Maybe your mom and dad's cranky and you have a bad day with mom and daddy. It all happens. Believe me, they do with you too. We, we all have those troubles. In this world, you're going to. You're going to have trouble. But I love this verse, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus promised, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <laughs> I wish I was a Pentecostal. I'd have talking tongues right then. I tell you, that's good stuff. I tell you, that's good stuff. God has overcome this world. I don't have to worry about the tribulation this world brings. And by the way, he doesn't say, I'm going to overcome it. He said, I have overcome it. Number three, it says there in verse 12, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Just keep praying. Keep talking to God. Live with the understanding that God is with you. God is around you. God is in you. He always hears 
And he does care. And he has the best intentions for you. 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What a wonderful verse. And then it says in verse 13, look at this, distribute to the needs of the saints, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to the needy of the saints, of the church. I want to tell you something that most of the instruction in the Bible, as far as your giving and as far as your helping other people, it is usually always to the people of God. Now, does that mean we don't give to the outside world? No, it doesn't. It means we do that too. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to tell you something. Your first priority in giving is giving to the people of God who are in need. You look at all of you. Paul was constantly taking up offerings. In Philippians, he was thanking them for, for, for giving to an offering. And you know what it's for? For the, the needs of the saints. Our priority, this is our family. And, and we, we owe each other to take care of one another. Amen? So we distribute to the needs of the saints. Now, I, I, and again, I'm not saying that. I'm just emphasizing this, that the first thing is we consider those who are part of our family. And also, we do consider those that are without. That's coming in these verses, okay? But I'm talking about this verse. Distributing to the needs of what? The saints. By the way, unless you're confused, if you've come here and you have a, a Catholic background and you have learned that a saint is some special type of person who has to meet some requirements, that is a lie of Satan. That is not true. A saint is anybody who has professed Christ as Lord and Savior. If you have been born again, you are a saint. If you have not confessed Christ, then you ain't. But if you know Jesus, you're a saint. And you distribute to brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that one thing, and that one thing I don't have to preach hard on at this church, is we need to be a people who are others-minded. Listen to one of my favorite verses of song. It says, I think it's in our hymn book somewhere. I don't know, but maybe not. Maybe it's in the old uh, Broadman hymnal. It says, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me live for others that I might live like thee. My kids have heard me say that all their lives. My wife has heard me quote that many times. It's one of those verses I have to say to myself many times. Others. And when you see someone in need or you hear of a need that needs to be met and you're thinking about giving, I want to tell you, it's not the devil telling you to do that. Not the devil. My wife and I, just for an example, we're not, we're not goody two-shoes, we're sinners. But we just, my wife has never complained when I told her, look, I just spent a bunch of money on some books. If it was for ministry, she's never complained. She, my wife doesn't complain about anything much. But if I said, hey, honey, I went and bought me a motorcycle, maybe. 
I said, honey, I believe the Lord wants us to give to this person they have some need or to this part of the church. We committed before we got married to give $5,000 to missions. Now, we were single. We didn't have many bills and stuff because we were older and single when we got married. She was 26, 24, 26, 24. She was 24 when we got married. I was 30. And... uh, so we'd been single a while. We didn't have anything. But we didn't have no $5,000. And our pastor challenged us to give $150,000 that year as a church to missions. Well, we took it on ourselves. Hey, God wants us to be a part of that. And we didn't have any money. But we were fixing to get married, and, and people had given us money. She paid for the wedding, most of the wedding. Her and her dad paid for most of that. And then all I did is save up, and, and, and I wanted to have a good honeymoon. So we went to Eureka Springs one, a couple nights, and then we went to Branson there and went to eat fancy restaurants. I mean, we went all out. The cabins, we didn't skimp on anything. We stayed at a real neat kind of a thematic uh, uh, motel and stuff. Had a blast. And, and I thought, man, we're going to run out of money, and we just never, cold, we're running out of money. Then we, we, we were getting low, I mean, because we spent a lot of money. And I said, well, whatever we have left, we're going to put it. Now, we had a year to bring up this $5,000. And I said, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to put whatever's left. When we get home, we're not just going to spend it. Whatever's left, we're going to put it in our bank account for this missions offering. Am I telling the truth? Okay. I might remember it different. It's been a while. We went at the end of our honeymoon to South Louisiana, right, or mid-Louisiana, and I sang at a concert there. That's part of our uh, honeymoon. I said, honey, I got the biggest ending to our honeymoon. You're going to love it. I'm going to sing at a concert for you. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, so we, we did that. And I don't think, I don't know what they did. I don't know how it happened. We don't know how it happened. But within the end of that month, we had given that $5,000 to missions. And we didn't really, couldn't really tell where in the world it came from. Brother Cooksey used to not talk about giving all the time, and, and, and he said this all the time. He said all the time, you can't outgive God. And he's right. You can't. Generosity will never make you feel bad, and generosity will always make you feel glad. Being stingy will make you act and feel like Ebenezer Scrooge. But when you give, you're like Jesus. When you give, you're like God. And I'm not talking about just putting in the offering plate. We're talking about people in need. You should be givers. Let me get, I got, uh, let me go. Look at this. This is kind of on the heels of that, distributing the needs of saints. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. The word hospitality comes from a word, uh, uh, philo. And then there's a few other words. But the word, any, any Greek word you see philo on is going to be love. It's the same word we get Philadelphia, which means the city of brotherly love. That's what it means, a brotherly love. A love to neighbors, a love to others, a, 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 a warm love. Not just loving your country, but a person that you really uh, are tender with. It means love to strangers 
and being hospitable to those. You know the Old Testament talks about if you have strangers who are not Jews, who come through their land, and they don't have anywhere to stay, you put them up. You be good to strangers. Be nice and kind and giving and, uh, of strangers. And that's what, you, what we're supposed to do also, is to be hospitable. Now, you got to be careful. I realize that. I'm not saying to go out there. But there are some people who are naturally gifted to be like this. We got people in, all over our church like this, but hospitable. Let me give you a great example, and I'm going through all of it. The Good Samaritan. That, that's the greatest example of this idea. The Good Samaritan. Now, here's the thing brotherly love usually goes between people who like each other. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. But this Samaritan was a different sort. I don't know where it came from. Of course, I know it was a story that Jesus probably made up. But here's the thing. It's possible this man who had a racial uh, hatred for a Samaritan got beat up and almost killed. And this Samaritan who was the, uh, was the, that this Jew hated, he knew he hated him. And most of the Samaritans hated the Jews. Yet he looked at the guy, had compassion, and they, he gave this guy his wine, which was expensive, and also the oil for medicine, by the way, medicinal purposes. He healed his wounds and wrapped his wounds, put him on his own donkey. Instead of riding, he let this man ride, and he walked all the way into town and went to an inn, gave him a room. He said, take care of his needs, and whatever he needs, give it to him, and when I get back, I'll pay whatever I didn't leave for you. Here's some money. Y'all know the story, don't you? That's the way you and I are to act to people. Even people that don't like us. Even to people, and the Bible's going to talk about more of this in just a few verses. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We'll get to that next week. But that's what hospitality is. Binding wounds, giving money, taking care of needs, not expecting to be repaid. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you like that? Are you like that? Or do you have this, uh, uh, you know, uh, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can kind of mentality? Is that the kind of mentality you have? giving to others. And I'm telling you, when you have an urge and a need to give, it is not the devil. i, I got to go. We're finished here in just I, I, Actually, it's kind of early. But let me give me my last one, and I've got an illustration. I've given it before, but I don't think most of the church has heard it, but I'm going to give it. The last point that I have on my outline, and I'm sorry, I thought I had sent that over, Riley, I apologize. But it's G in your outline, loving your brothers and sisters is the Lord, in the Lord, excuse me, loving your brothers and sisters in the Lord is our, now listen, supreme command. Supreme command is loving our brothers and sisters, the church, church members. John 15, 20, 12, excuse me, John 15, 12. Riley's going to bring it up. 
John 15, 12 and following, this is what the Bible says. This is my commandment. All right, you've always wondered, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Here he says it. This is my commandment, that you love one another. You say, well, what does that mean? What is love? As I have loved you. Verse 13 is my life verse. It's my favorite verse in all the Bible. Christy and I had a ministry where we traveled. It was called Greater Love Ministry based on this verse. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And do you know that after this, two chapters later, Jesus did that for you and me? Now here it is, friend. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but let me just keep reading. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. By the way, that doesn't mean... If you do what I command you, you can be my friend. It means this is how people know you're my friend. You keep my commandments. We find that out from 1 John 1. 1 John, not the gospel, but 1 John. Matter of fact, let me read 1 John 1 verse 9. 1 John 1 9 says, The one who says he is in the light. How many of y'all say you're in the light? I'm saved. I'm born again. And yet hates his brother is a liar. I'm sorry. I, I really thought that the Bible says that, but not in this verse. His brother is in darkness until now. Which means you're lying about being saved if you hate your brother. The one who loves his brother, that's the one who abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Well, that's a big statement, isn't it? But... The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because of the darkness blinded his eyes. I want to tell you, if you have the capacity to truly hate people, I mean, you have written them off, you won't talk to them, you don't have anything to do with them, you hate them. I mean, you hate them. You come against them. That's a good indication you do not have Jesus in your heart. Matter of fact, it means you don't have Jesus in your heart. That's what it means. A Christian does not have the capacity to hate. Get mad, yeah. To get angry, yeah. To fuss and fight, well, we do that sometimes. But to hate, to write off, no, absolutely not. You don't have the ability to do that if you're saved. Now, some of you right now are thinking about people in your mind. You got people in your heart and your mind. Now you got to decide, is it hate that you're distributing to them or is it just you're a little angry with them? You need to work on it. Let me tell you, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, guess what? He will not forgive you. Why? But number one, you don't know Jesus if you're unforgiving. That's what, Listen, it is not just joining a club when you become a Christian. Listen, you're changed. You're a different person. The things you used to love, now you hate. The things you used to hate, now you love. Things used to make you cry, now make you laugh. Things used to make you laugh, now they make you cry. The people you used to hate, now you love them. The people you used to love, now you, you, so, you don't hate them. You feel sorry for them and you pray for them. And you understand why they're sinners. You were in the same captivity. I want to go back real quickly and talk about John 15, 12. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another. What does that tell you? That tells you that loving one another is a priority. It's a priority. Now listen, if you have bad thoughts towards somebody, if you have bad feelings towards somebody, and they don't know it, don't tell them. 
You don't have to confess sins that people don't know about except to Jesus. But if you've offended them, you've mistreated them, it is your obligation as a Christian to go to them, apologize to them. And if you have not forgiven them, or you have not asked forgiveness for what you've done to others, you've had a heart of bitterness, it can happen to Christians. You need to confess it to God, first of all. And if you've hurt them, you need to confess it to them and ask their forgiveness. And if not, don't say anything to them because right now they think everything's great. Don't ruin that. But what you ought to do is, instead of letting your neck get hot when you think about them at night and grinding your teeth and shuffling your feet in bed when you, you think about getting back at them, what you ought to do is think, what can I do for them tomorrow that will bless their life? You need to go pass out some roses or go buy some muffins or make, bake some cookies. And you need to do good to them. Now, folks, this week, if you get a gift from one of the other members, don't assume that it means they hate you or they have had bad thoughts towards you. It's just the way we are around here. But we ought to have loving relationships with one another. I don't, I don't have... I, I, well, anyway, I'm going to go on. Love one another. That doesn't mean love just when people are lovely. Love people like you love your children. Right? Like you love your children. What in the world could your children do to you that would make you hate them and discard them? Now, I understand, you know, you, there's got to be lines drawn and disciplines and punishments. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, listen... You always love your children, even when they're doing wrong and bad and in sin. You still love them. That's the way we ought to love one another. Now, but that's, that's the wrong thing. We shouldn't be comparing our kind of love for our children or mamas or daddies or whatever. No, the Bible says here's the priority of love. He commands us. But then, here I've got to get to my point, the pattern of love. It's not the way we love our children, is it, Brother Fred? It's not the way we love our parents, is it, Brother Tim? It's not the way we love our you know, family. What's the pattern? As I have loved you. Oh, my goodness. That means before you let go of the church, and you let go of your loved ones in the church, you've got to die for them first you got to die for them isn't it, isn't it crazy how some people can change churches just because somebody looked at them cross-eyed you say well, brother Ron what if somebody mistreats me in the church what am I supposed to do you look at them cross-eyed back you fuss, you fight, you roll around on the dirt, then you get up and apologize and confess your sin and live for Jesus and do something for the kingdom's sake. That's what you do. This is the church, not a country club. We're called to love everybody in these pews that are members. We're to love each other as Christ loved you. Okay. I'm going to give you a little example of this and talk about giving and loving. By the way, lo loving is not just emotion and say, oh, I just I love you. you know, and and uh, we love like we love a, a 
like I love pie. You know, do I really love pie? No, I'm not committed to pie. But I love pie, but I can't have it. I hadn't had pie, and I can't tell you when. But I, I love pie. That's not, no, I'm talking love like you love your children, love like you say you love the Lord. How do you know you love somebody? Because you give. You give to them. You, 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 you support them. You care about them. You give prayers. I'm not just talking about financially. Prayers, time. You sacrifice, oh, I don't want to go see so-and-so. Oh, man, I'd rather sit here in this chair and watch, you know, NCIS or whatever. You know what love says? I'll record it and watch it later. <laughs> That's what love says. I'll go see them, record it, watch it later. TiVo it. Give. And I want to tell you something. There's no one that's ever given that God didn't bless. We ought to look at one another and love one another. And number two, we ought to be giving and hospitable to those that are there. 